When you first opened this location, I think we started with like $5,000 and a whole lot of elbow grease. Yeah. What really stood out to you in that process now in hindsight of how you were able to expand from that place? I mean, don't stop. Yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. This is a special episode. You guys are going to get super inspired. Those of you who are starting projects, following through with passion projects, or trying to, those of you who want to start a business, those of you who want to just keep going, really the message in this episode is to keep going, stay resilient and we give a lot of tips on how to do that and that really applies to everything in life right so on this episode i am talking with courtney jones and samantha mcintosh who are the owners of diamond regal which is my favorite jewelry store not even just in michigan where i live but in the world my favorite jewelry store all of my jewelry is from their spot and they have a brick and mortar in this small city that i live in and they're doing really well and it's kind of a creative shop it's a it's a very creative jewelry shop and they sell all different price points all different pieces of jewelry really creative stuff really beautiful stuff and i wanted to talk to them about how they were able to become so successful because it's hard to keep a brick and mortar open it's hard to keep a creative jewelry spot open They did really well during the pandemic and they have continued to do well even after they had their store get damaged in part by a fire. They just bounced back and they tell us how they do that, what went into their mindset, how they work as a partnership, how they have created this beautiful business and stayed successful in it and really delivered to their customers and built relationships to their customers. This is a spiritual episode. It's a business-minded episode. If you're interested in jewelry, you will be loving this episode. But either way, it's really, you know, it can be looked at as a manual about how to get through life. Because I'm telling you guys, this just applies to everybody. If we can learn how to build resilience, we can get through life easier. So I'm just really excited about this episode. Let's just get into it. Okay, you guys. So this episode has a lot to do with business and mindset and i teach on business mindset so it's kind of a perfect pairing with some offerings that i have for you i have created the type b business school which is a business school on how to build a business but not just any business an online business that you can do from home or anywhere and a business that you love and that feels good to you and that feels natural to you and flowy to you and that aligns perfectly with the natural gifts that you were born with. Yes, we talk about how to turn the natural gifts that you already have inside of you into a business, how to get paid for doing what you love or for doing 
what comes so easily to you. A lot of people aren't even aware that they have so many gifts readily available inside of them that they're not utilizing, that they're not monetizing. And I teach you how to do that in this group coaching course. The Type B Business School has a lot of different elements in it and so many different resources for you to use to build your business, to build your podcast, to build a following, to build a community, to create offers, to set up payment plans and payment platforms for people to pay you on. It's basically everything you need to start a business. And there is also a group coaching element to it. So I will be there to coach you in our community group along the way. And you will have other business owners in the group to also support you in this process. And if you're not ready for a group coaching course, I also have an online course called the Confidence Course. This Confidence Course teaches you the skills basically to be ready to make big moves in life, to start your business, to ask somebody out, to make a lot of friends, to market yourself, to network to do anything that requires confidence. This is a skill that I have built in my life. I was not born with confidence, but I built the ability to be confident and to just record myself on this podcast without a script and feel very comfortable doing so and still remain pretty eloquent. So I teach you how to do this in the confidence course. That is another offering I have available to you. If you are interested in any of these, check the show notes. There will be links to read more about both of these offerings. I love you guys. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. We're making history today because I get to interview the owners of my favorite jewelry store here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. They're doing something just so cool and unique with their business. And I had to ask them to come on. And uh, we're not we're not uh, affiliated. They're not paying me. But I would like to proudly say that every piece of jewelry that I have comes from their uh, shop, save for one like family heirloom. And all my friends, if they get me jewelry, they go to Diamond Regal. My friends go to Diamond Regal, get their engagement rings. Like we all, it's just to me in my mind, it's no question that I go to Diamond Regal for my jewelry. And I think that that's fascinating. I moved back to Grand Rapids a couple of years ago, Grand Rapids, Michigan, as some of you guys may know. And um it was never a question that I would go anywhere else. I think that's really interesting. I was so drawn to their store and the quality and the unique pieces are just phenomenal. And without even thinking about it, I realized that I wanted this to be my jewelry spot and I can't really imagine going anywhere else. So I'm just really excited to hear more about this beautiful jewelry spot, Diamond Regal. Uh, it's on uh, Wealthy Street in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, so Courtney Jones and Samantha McIntosh, welcome to Root Awakening, a health podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah thank you for having, having us. us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're also joined by Opal, which is the bird that they have yes. in their shop. And what type of bird is Opal? She's a cockatiel, um, but her coloring specific for any like bird fanatics out there, she is a cinnamon pearl peed cockatiel. Okay, amazing. Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. I love and there actually we do have some listeners that keep birds, which is interesting. So they might know. Okay. They might know. That's pretty cool. 
Wow, you two. Okay, I would just love to hear how you both got together first, you know, like, how did you join together in business to start out? I'll let you yeah. tell that story. Um, this is a fun story. We've been telling it a lot recently. Yeah. Um, so uh, I actually started Diamond Regal a couple of years before I met Samantha. Okay. Um, I started Diamond Regal in 2015. And I had like a live workspace here in Grand Rapids that was set up for artists where you have like a storefront in the front and then you live behind the store. Um, so that was my original setup. Wow. And it was a very small space over on South Division, which is a corridor meant for like emerging artists, um, a very creative space in Grand Rapids. And uh, I would often do little pop-ups in other areas, other businesses. I would go to like the downtown market or different street fairs. And I was set up one day. Um, <laughs> this crazy <laughs> this crazy woman ran up to me and started asking me questions about like how much I was paying for rent and you know how it was going for me there. Um, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And uh, um, then we kind of talked a little bit and she offered up the information that she was also a jeweler and she was casually looking for storefronts. Um, and she had been for a couple of years, but she always knew she wanted to have a partner. Um, and so we parted ways that day, but then later on, uh, a few months later or a year later, I was ready to kind of make that stuff and maybe get a bigger storefront um, and I like the idea of having a partner um, to do that. So I reached out to her and we got together and started talking details about what um, this version of Regal looked like. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Right time, right place. Yep. It worked out very well. Yeah. So we moved the store to its current location here on Wealthy Street in 2017. Um, and that's where most people kind of learn the, who we are, what we do. So yeah, that's how we met. And how we developed the store. Wow. And when so, we started, yeah. we were, we had jewelry. And yeah. I was a jeweler. Yeah. But we were a Michigan-made <laughs> store. I mean, yeah. we carried everything Other from things. Like jam to, we still have some candles. But candles, uh, you know, just other clothing. handcrafted goods. We did with clothing for a while. Yeah. Wow. Um, but we found that people, just like you, they came to us for their jewelry, right? Um, and a lot of people just kind of knew us as that, yeah. as the jewelry store. Um, so we decided one year just to lean into that and really just like go full into jewelry. Yeah. And Did so that's, you, that's, yep. That's what you're doing now. Yeah. All jewelry. Yep. And yep. you have, you represent other local female artists as well in your shop. We do. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yep. Cool. Um, did you notice a change, or maybe I should ask, what changes did you notice after going just all in on the jewelry? Because I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, they they could have a, a journey similar in the sense that they're doing a couple different things. And then at a certain point, they have to make the leap. Okay, let's just do this. What was that transition like for you guys? Yeah. Well, Courtney really didn't have to decide or <laughs> not to because <laughs> she has two businesses yeah. that do two different things and then multiple businesses under that. But Courtney also owns Sable Candle Company a block no over. So instead of honing just in jewelry, she also does candles. Right. So um, I, 
can't decide exactly like, yeah. like I, I enjoy both um but I think the the smart move here that we can kind of talk about is um like we separated them and so the candle store is a candle store and we are a jewelry yeah. store and it was really about listening to what our customers were wanting mm-hmm. um what they found to be beautiful what they were shopping for what they were interested in what they desired um as business owners we learned to really listen to that and lean into um what we could provide and i think separating the two really helps uh hone in on our niche and our clientele and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing right it was a good move it was the probably the best move yeah that Mm -hmm. we made um yeah at that time Mm-hmm. It makes so much sense because there's just kind of a clear, there's a clear boundary and nobody has to think about, well, are they kind of doing candles? Are they jewelry? What's up? It's just two separate businesses. That's smart. Right. That's really smart. Yeah. Well, we did have to combine them for a little while again last year. <laughs> <laughs> for another temporary, um, yes. another pivot we had to make. But Diamond Regal, the, the building was damaged mm-hmm. last year because there was a fire next door. Um, and so we were in an interesting position, um, but kind of lucky that I had another storefront where Diamond Regal actually moved in while our building was getting fixed. So for six months, we had to combine the two again. And we actually did feel the pains of that. And we realized how splitting the businesses a couple of years prior was such a good move because we felt sales hurt in both sides of the business when we had to recombine into one storefront. Um, that was a really interesting, I guess, experience mm-hmm. on our end that we're like, wow, that it confirmed yeah. our decision to split. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. And interestingly enough, around the time that you guys had moved back into the, the, the spot that you're at now, after you moved in with Sable, and then you yeah. came back, <laughs> that was, I think, the moment where I really decided I got to get them on the podcast because it was special. I kind of, I saw your place before the fire had happened. And then I went to Sable a couple times to check things out. And then I came back to your place when you guys came back. And I saw that you, there was just an energy of resilience in the sense that, oh, you guys took the opportunity to make a couple design changes in the shop and, and you, and you did some different things when you moved back in. And I was like, this is just a good energy. There's no, I I didn't pick up on any energy of uh, this is weird. This is, it was just all really positive. And I was like, man, there's something really special happening here with this business. So, so to like really break it down for the folks who don't live in Michigan or have never been to the store before, it's amazing that Courtney has another business, which is a candle shop de- literally down the street from Diamond Regal, the jewelry shop. So when the fire happened, they moved in to the candle shop. So it was, it was candles and jewelry for a while. And but it was right down the street. So it was just like perfect. And uh, in, in a way, you guys said that you, you felt the sales um, change, but all considering for the customers like me, right, I'm coming to the shop and I'm like, oh, OK, well, it's just down the block. Let me go like check it out. And then they moved back in. And when, when they moved back into their other their other spot, it was just what did you guys do to to your space that was different? Well, so everything. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Yeah. We really took the opportunity to capitalize on, you know, the, 
the cards that were dealt and Mm -hmm. make the best of a bad situation and do all of the things that we wish we could have done from the beginning and just really refine what the brand looks like. And, uh, I think our tastes have kind of evolved as far as design goes. And Mm -hmm. so we were really able to kind of start from scratch, uh, which was, it was great. If I can say anything, you talked about like the, the energy that we had here and, um, obviously over the past handful of years, many businesses have been, uh, thrown, uh, not the best (laughs) hand of cards, let's say, you know, with, um, the pandemic and then this fire that happened to us right after the pandemic, um, we, we do pride ourselves in taking those obstacles and making them like launching us off of those obstacles. If that's kind of said strangely, but um we grew in 2019 yeah um during COVID even though we were forced to be closed for several months we still managed to grow that year yeah that mindset of okay this is hard this is a hurdle this is something that could potentially stop us let's make sure we take that and use it in the best way possible and um not just make the most of it but make a success of it yeah yeah so that was something that we held on to through you know those obstacles and with the fire, we were like, this is another opportunity. It's not just a sad, you know, experience of like our business was damaged and we have all these things we have to do and take care of. It's oh don't get we... us wrong. There were tears. Many, many tears. Um it was it was hard, right? Yeah. Um but pushing through it and making those physical changes to the space, you know. Honing in, like you said, on, on our look, our design choices, our space, the cases we have, um, just every little detail in the space we really thought about and, and made sure we did everything we could to make it better. Yeah, it seems like an essential mindset to have, you know, an essential mindset to have because things are going to happen. And I think you guys are a great example of what kind of results can come out of something that is a big bummer right from the jump, you know? Uh, yeah, the, the, the feeling of resilience is something that I really got from just being in the store and, and talking to your staff. And I'm curious what kind of solutions you guys created during the pandemic? Cause you mentioned you were able to grow during that time. Yeah. yeah. So I think the biggest thing that we did during the pandemic was pivot a little bit in the direction of what type of jewelry we were doing. Mm-hmm. So when we had started and up until 2019, we were primarily doing um, more ready to wear jewelry yeah. and not, really much fine jewelry. So we weren't doing bridal or anything like that at the time. So we took the opportunity because even during the pandemic, um, you know, people were still getting married or wanting to get engaged and uh, they were still spending money on things that were sentimental. Yes. And typically fine jewelry is sentimental. Mm -hmm. So that transition to fine jewelry Mm -hmm. alone was amazing for us us and Mm -hmm. and really is kind of what kept us open Mm -hmm. um and you know still having a business at the end of the pandemic right yeah adding that to our Mm -hmm. 
bag of tricks, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So to elaborate on what Samantha means before this, when we say like every day you're ready to wear jewelry, we're looking at price points of like, you know, $20 to $100. And that was what we mainly sold, which was very important to us because mm-hmm. we wanted to have every day still high quality jewelry that people can come in and, you know, buy a $20 stacking ring and know that it's going to last for them. Um, and we still do. And we still do. Yeah. That is one of our unique points is we still do carry all of those everyday um, wearable pieces, but then we also have the fine jewelry in addition to that now. And that pivot was, yeah, a good. And good to clarify, pivot. fine jewelry is going to be carrot gold. So like the solid golds and yep. platinums and uh, diamonds, gemstones, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I think about it, that's how I really got interested in your guys's stuff the affordable pieces the ready to wear pieces when I moved back here and I was moving from New York City right so already a lot of shopping available but I have never seen a jewelry shop like you guys in New York City and when I came back to Grand Rapids I'm like this place is amazing and um (laughs) but but it's interesting because I started with the ready to wear stuff Mm -hmm. And that was a couple years ago. And now me and my friends are growing and our availability to get different types of jewelry, maybe nicer types of jewelry is growing. So at first I was getting the stacking rings and that is something I really want to highlight to you guys, our listeners, the, the fact that they're affordable and like you said, they're like $20 or something like that. Like it's, it's very affordable, but the quality is so good. The quality looks good. The quality feels good. It lasts. It lasts. I put some of my rings through a lot of turmoil and they have lasted. And that, that, I think that was the, that was the piece that really hooked me into you guys. In addition to there's good vibes when you go in there, the design in the shop is phenomenal. The design of the jewelry is phenomenal, but I don't know of another place where I can go and spend an affordable amount of money on jewelry and feel like, Ooh, this, but this looks luxe, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and now as my friends and I who go there are kind of expanding and growing and, and getting older as people, now we're looking at the carrot golds. And now my friend just got a, a wedding wing, ring from you guys. And it's cool to grow with you. And, and the, the uh, options that you have available, they're truly for everyone. And I, that's so true What to hear you guys say that that is something that sets you apart. I'm just realizing now I'm putting two and two together in my head. That was a big part of, of the, how I saw you guys as being so unique. Yeah. And we also just added a bench jeweler this year. So our goal in this is to be someone's lifelong one-stop shop for yes. jewelry. Uh, we can do everything, whether that's, you know, date night jewelry um, to your wedding bands, uh, anniversary bands, you know, the more special things. Uh, but then we can also do repairs and we can do custom. Um, if you're you know, missing a stone and something or you have an old piece of jewelry that you want to redesign, we can do all of that. Uh, we also recently started um buying gold. So that's another thing that our clients have been liking is being able to bring in old pieces that they don't want to use mm-hmm. and receive credit for that gold to be uh, used for something else. Um, so we're kind of a one-stop shop and that's yeah. been our goal. Yeah. It's a good goal. I mean, the, 
we want to create relationships with our clients um, from every day to eternity. So whatever your jewelry needs are, like we want to have that relationship with you um, and see you grow throughout your years, you know, um, from a little stacking ring all the way up to, like you said, anniversary bands, um, heirloom redesigns. Like we want to be that for you. Yeah. 100%. You guys have already given me that experience. It's really cool to talk to you to about this uh, after I've had this type of experience and what you're doing is being translated to the people coming in. It's, that's really beautiful. So I was going to ask you guys one more question about that, but it'll come back to me. Um, oh, yeah. I think about you guys a lot in the custom space too. I got a custom pinky ring from you guys. I love it. I wear it all the time and I get, I stack it with another ring, but it's like a thick gold pinky ring and I get a lot of people that compliment me on it. Um, so I guess that's part okay. of why, yeah, I, uh, I picture you guys as a custom space. Have you always done custom pieces? Not well. Um, occasionally, I guess when we first yeah. started, when, when projects would come up, um, we would work with customers, yeah. but it was not to the caliber we do right now. Um, and part of it was we were, when we first started, we hadn't really like dove into right. the fully fledged jewelry store that we are now. Yeah. Um, and so once we did make that transition, we really did push the customs and um, Samantha does most of the designing herself. And so, um, you know, when we first started, we went through, you know, the pandemic and things. Um, she also had to have the time to do all of the creative work behind those customs. Um, so now that is, that's where we sit now, very much in that custom world. But we didn't when we first started. Yeah. And part of that is out of what is available and using our resources. So mm -hmm. Courtney and I did not come into this previously being millionaires. No. <laughs> mm. You know, uh, the capital and the overhead for a traditional jewelry store is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars of an investment. Especially in the custom. It. Like, yeah, um, you've got to find jewelry. Yep, find jewelry. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah. of overhead for just, you know, having display pieces, mm -hmm. having stones on hand, having um, inventory, inventory. Yeah. like it's a lot. That's very expensive. So we started doing custom more out of a necessity because we couldn't afford to have a huge inventory. Right. You know, so doing custom allows us to work on a piece for a client without having to have all of that all of the stones and all of the gold already on hand. Mm -hmm. um, it's less of a capital investment. So it's one of the reasons that we started and custom was for that, you know, um, we didn't have a huge net to work with, right. you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then we did that like step by step and uh, group in there. Yeah. Right. Again, it's like finding awesome solutions. You know, I'm seeing a, a pattern here and I think it's important for people to hear that, that a lot of success can just come out of working with what you have at the time, what yes. you have in front of you, what you have in front of right. you. Phenomenal. Yeah. 
When you first opened this location, I think we started with like $5,000 and a whole lot of elbow grease. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How did you guys? I feel like that's on the high end. Wow. My goodness. That's really impressive. What would you guys, I mean, this is a loaded question, but just the first words that come to your mind about what helped you create this amount of success, this great success out of, I mean, relatively very small amount of investment money for a business, especially a jewelry business. What contributing factors do you feel like helped you the most? Because this is something I find extremely inspiring. I know that there are people in this audience who really want to start a business or maybe they they have a business, but they kind of want to branch out. And they they have, I know that there are people here that, that could either work towards getting their hands on 5K, or maybe they have that from their other business. And I would just love to hear about what really stood out to you in that process now in hindsight of how you were able to expand from that place. I mean, don't stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. not a lot of sleep, <laughs> not a lot of food. <laughs> Um, not a lot of luxuries, but I also have to give a big shout out to like our spouses because I think, you know, I don't know about Courtney and what her household was like at the time, but for me, like without, you know, my husband, because I have three children. Um, so without my husband being there to kind of support me, um, with children and our home and that kind of thing, um, I wouldn't have been able to dedicate that much time and energy to Mm -hmm. this in general right you know um so that definitely helps but I think people think getting into a business like this that it's just going to be like a lot easier than it is (laughs) and it's it's not it's not easy you just have to be resilient and Mm -hmm. keep going and just know expectations wise that you're not gonna pull a profit the first few years you know, and having a plan for how you're going to support yourself during that time. And and I do have a, a partner, my husband, he, he's kind of jokingly called our unpaid intern yeah. um, because he was, especially at the beginning, he was here a lot. He did a lot of, you know, he's very tall. So he was up on the ladder a lot, hanging lights, doing things. Um, so that was something that definitely helped me, you know, at the beginning having that, partner to also support personal bills and things um but also another um, thing that makes me laugh I guess too is after the fire we were interviewed by a tv station and she just one of her questions that she had from us was like oh did you consider just closing up shop and we both like it was like crickets and Samantha and I looked at each other and we're like that's an option, right? Like, mm. I, like I don't think we even consider you know, that as that, that option. No. Um, and I think that's the mindset you have to have. Yes, absolutely. That failure is not an option. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to do. There um, were many times where place. it didn't even make sense when you're mm. looking at like numbers or the finances. You're like, do we keep going? Right. And the answer is yes. Mm. <laughs> that's the answer. Um, if you, you really want evolve. it, yeah. yeah, you have to evolve. Right. Yeah. I love it. 
I love that. And I'm see, I'm, I've been open in my health coaching business or self-development space for, it's going to be three years this spring. And it really helps to hear you guys talk about that and say that because sometimes it's easy when times are hard in any arena, business or any personal arena, it's easy to think I am the only one that is having something that feels like a failure right now. You know what I mean? And we're not alone. Yeah. We're not alone. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> What do you guys think are the hardest parts? You mentioned that it's hard. It's hard to move through. So obviously having the resilience in hard times, is there anything else that comes to mind that's that's quite difficult just in general about having a business? <laughs> uh, I mean, when you own a business, the first thing you have to realize is that no one is ever going to care about your business. And do it as well as you are. Uh, it's just something you have to accept. So when you move into that space of hiring employees and um, having other business relationships, you really just have to expect that part of it is no one's gonna care about it as much as you are. No one's gonna do it as well as you are. And probably no one's ever going to work as hard on it as you are. Um, I tend to be, be a night person and Courtney is a morning person. So between the two of us, <laughs> we're pretty much working 24 seven. Yeah. Uh, so that's just something like you're always on call. However, there are opportunities being, you know, a business owner where if I have a minute um, for my husband, if he's able to get off of his job and he wants to go to Mexico next week, like that's often possible for me to do. I can do a a lot of work virtually, but also I can, I'm not strapped to a schedule, a schedule as a traditional employee. Right. So there are perks to that yeah. as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And another thing, um, going along the lines of not everyone is going to care as much as you about your business. Um, also no one is coming to help. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of, you know, daunting. Um, but that, you have to have that mindset of like, if I don't do this, no one else is going to do it. You know, mm -hmm. it's not in a, a corporate setting where like, oh, you know, Bob's got it over there. <laughs> if I don't do it, we can hand it off to Susan. Um, no one's there for that. Like you are, you, you are it. Yeah. No one's coming to save you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you do take too much time off, it, it's money out of pocket, right? You're just not getting paid during that time. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. Like it's a massive sense of responsibility, but you're holding yourself accountable. It's like trippy, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, but, but then again, massively rewarding because look at what you built. That's phenomenal. Okay. Jumping around a little bit. I would like to hear about both of your backgrounds with jewelry and with business, how you, how you each got to, to this space. I'll let you start. I was going to say, I'll let you start. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a big question. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I did go to school for art and design. I did not study jewelry, um, but I do have a degree in art. Um, and then I was also simultaneously, I was racing triathlon. Um, so I'm also an athlete in that sense. I was actually kind of before this more in that world than like, the art world 
Um, so I was very heavy into racing and things, um, not jewelry. And then uh, I was racing on a like semi elite level and I ended up getting hit by a car um, on one of my training rides. And I um, had, a, it was a bad accident. I had six broken ribs and a punctured lung. Um, and so that kind of diverted me away from, you know, the athletic world. Um, it halted my season very abruptly. And after that, I just kind of um, went back to what I knew and that was making things, right? And so that's how I got into the jewelry side of things. So as I was recovering from that accident, I would sit and I would make jewelry. Um, and so it was kind of more of a, a healing process for me and finding a different hobby, a different outlet. Um, and that is how I got into my jewelry um, experience. I don't have any formal background. I was completely self-taught. Um, so yeah, that's my background. Samantha has an interesting story as well. Um, also not linear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was originally going to school to be a physician, uh, and I was in, my degree is from Western Michigan, but I was finishing my degree here at Grand Valley, uh, when I met Courtney, but I had taken a metalsmithing class there just as an elective for fun. And I've always been an artist and really loved that space, but I was raised pretty traditional and I happened to be very good at school. So my parents were doctor, lawyer, engineer, these are your choices, pick one. Um, so science and medicine was kind of always my area of interest. Um, and being a starving artist was just not acceptable, <laughs> you know? So uh, when I was in my senior year finishing that degree, my then boyfriend, um, my husband then boyfriend, he had a job offer in New York city. So I lived in New York city for a while as well. Oh. So instead of going to med school, I, uh, kind of just by uh, just a whim moved to New York city and was a starving artist for a little while, but I ended up finding a really good position in New York with a larger uh, jewelry designer doing a lot of custom work for her and, um, a lot of samples and that kind of thing. And so I wasn't so starving in New York. It actually worked out pretty well, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, it was that point that I learned the industry and was like, you know, I could make a living out of this. You know, this isn't, you don't have to be a starving artist. You right. can do these creative worlds and still support yourself mm -hmm. and do it well. And then also have the freedom to live. You know, I, I never wanted to be in a situation where I was waking up to work. You know, I, I didn't think that that's what life is about. You know, I, I wanted to enjoy what I did every day. Um, and that was really important. And hopefully one day be able to do it from a beach somewhere because I'm a total beach bum. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, where I got into it. And, uh, in New York city, I was in the East village, by the way, I'm not sure where you were at awesome. in New York city. I was all uh, over the place. I was like middle okay. Manhattan, Brooklyn, Harlem, Queens, okay. but East Village is so fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I We absolutely loved New York City and Manhattan. Was, we have great friends there, a great time. It was, it was like a very small town in the middle of like this <laughs> huge city. It was really weird, um, but we loved it. And then we got pregnant with our first baby and we're like, oh crap 
crap. We can't live in Manhattan in this like 400 square foot apartment with an infant. Um, so we moved back to the Midwest um, when I was like seven months pregnant. Uh, so that was our, our journey in Manhattan. And at that point um, is when, you know, there are very few designers in the Midwest or in this area that are employing other people. Uh, so it was either do it myself or go back to medicine. Um, and so that's when I started my business um, and kind of expanded from there. Cool. So your business was, was another jewelry business. Yeah. So essentially just my name. So I, I turned my name into an LLC. So Samantha McIntosh LLC. So any design work that I do is under that. Um, my design line currently is uh, a DBA as Eleanor Finn uh, and Nora Finn is the design labels. Um, but the, the umbrella company for that is Samantha McIntosh LLC. So any design work that I do is under that. Um, so I had started kind of how most handmade jewelry artists start and that's on Etsy. Mm. Um, the rough diamonds, like the rose cut diamonds that, that have like the different colors and like the salt and pepper diamonds. And like, that's been a huge trend over the last like 10 years. I was one of the first like two sellers on Etsy to start making those. When was this? time 2010 2010 so that's yeah yeah so 13 years ago is about when they came to market um and so that was something that because I was kind of first to market on that um I was able to get enough of a nest egg to support myself and a baby and all of that um while doing that and then expanding from there and it wasn't until just recently that I am I'm no longer on Etsy anymore um, but Etsy was my primary source of income and then also doing art shows. Um, and Courtney did, did that for a while yep. and still does. Um, I still do one a year. Um, I think, <laughs> um, it's really hard. Like yeah. the art show world and setting up like basically a mini store for a couple days is grueling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the travel and just, it's a lot. So um, but that's what I did for mm-hmm. 12 years, 13 wow. years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It, it always, I went to art school in at Kendall and that always sounded like so much to me, so much energy put into that, but also you need confidence. You need a lot of confidence to set up and talk to the people as they mm-hmm. come by. And I find, I mean, maybe just people in general, but, but especially artists, sometimes we can be withdrawn and we can not not want to talk to people and just no just take my art and and I don't want to put myself <laughs> yeah. out there at all right yeah well, you're exactly right yes. right so did you two yeah. feel that way or did you just get I I'm just sensing a lot of you guys just did the damn thing like you just you hustled <laughs> in your own way you know like you just you're, yeah, you just yes, did yeah it. pretty much something yeah up, yes. um yeah yeah, I can speak for myself that I am a, um, I'm an introvert, uh, like 120 million percent, right? <laughs> I am that um, standard, like, I want to work in my studio with my door shut, and I don't want to talk to you, yeah. right? Like most artists, okay? Yeah. And I, I had to teach myself how to sell my work. Otherwise, the alternative 
alternative is being a starving artist. And to me, that was unacceptable. I was like, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to wonder where my next meal is coming from. Um, because as a handful of artists can probably say they have that in their experience, right? That they went through a time where they were living in their studio or they were struggling to pay their bills, um, but they still wanted to make their art. So I wanted to find a way to make that work. And that means I had to learn to sell, which means you have to talk to the people who come up to your Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? Like you, you have to learn how to do that. And for me, that's, um, that's something I had to learn how to do. Yeah, I did too. It yeah. does not come naturally mm -hmm. to me whatsoever. And I'm still terrible at it. <laughs> I feel like mm, um, she's lying. Morning disagrees with me. But that's, that's simply because now I know and I have enough confidence about mm -hmm. what I'm doing and yes. what I'm selling. Yes. That that's sort of taken over. Right. You know, like I, I'm no longer in this situation, or at least I don't feel I'm in a situation of like begging people, please buy my stuff. It's more of a situation of, you're coming to me because I know you want what I have. Yes. And that's simply come from years of experience mm -hmm. doing it. Right. You know, um, I think that's been the, the biggest thing is that mm -hmm. I just, you're forced to learn it and then eventually it just takes over. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still hard. Would I prefer to be in the back room with the door closed doing my own work? 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. That's, that's awesome to hear. Because I certainly assume, have assumed in the past, and I, I doubt I'm the only one, that the people that actually do the art shows and talk to people, they want to do that. They Well, yeah, of course, you guys want to do that. That's why you're there. But uh, they're just that type of personality naturally. Right. We just It's one of the things that I teach to my clients because we talk a lot about mindset. We assume that anyone else doing something different than us, they must have came out of the womb that way. And they're just like that naturally. And it's not always the case. So you guys just saw, okay, what are the alternatives here? I don't, I want to work for myself. I want to build something on my own. I want to create my art. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to sell and I will do what I have to do in order to make that happen. Wow. <laughs> so neither of you have any formal business training. Nope. No, no we've been flying by the seat of our pants <laughs> this entire time. <laughs> That's awesome. Honestly, we've just yeah. figured it out you know, and yeah. we've made so many mistakes. Don't get me so wrong. Many, like, this right. is not like yeah. been a cakewalk by no. any means. No. Um, but you, you make a mistake, you learn a lesson yep. and then you fix it. Right. And then repeat like 5 billion times mm -hmm. and we're still not done making right. mistakes. <laughs> we will for sure make another mistake this week. Probably. <laughs> we did yesterday. She's but not going to like it. <laughs> Yeah, you can't be afraid of mistakes. Yeah. Um, you have to just accept that it's going to happen. Like you are going to screw something up. You're going to make the wrong decision. You are, yeah, it's inevitable, you know. Yeah. And then you get very good at kissing ass afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apologizing and having humility and taking responsibility. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, and then you move on. Yep. You learn. Yeah. Right. Right. And just accepting that that's going to be part of the journey. I think that's huge. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm curious what you guys are excited about, what you're creating right now. Are there any pieces that you're really stoked about? I want to give everyone a good idea of what you have to offer there. 
That's a great question. <laughs> um, well, one newish thing for us has been, and it's been a huge movement. I'm sure everyone out there has seen it on TikTok or heard about it. The permanent jewelry is like this big fad right now. Um, and for people that don't know what that is, it's essentially um, taking jewelry, most of the time chain and possibly pendants or charms, and you weld them together so there's no clasp. So the jewelry is uh, permanent in a way that there's no way to take it off without like clipping it off. Mm-hmm. Oh, if wow. Makes- I haven't heard of this. Oh, you haven't? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's exciting. So this has been a huge thing and we've been overwhelmingly busy Mm -hmm. um, with that department of Diamond Regal. Um, So much so that, you know, we're trying to do catch up right now with Mm -hmm. um, appointments and figure out other ways to do it off site because we have a lot of customers that want to have parties. And I think the big thing about the permanent jewelry is that it's not just the jewelry, it's an experience. And as we know from some of the younger generations, like it's more experience-based. People want to spend money on time. Mm -hmm. Um, And this allows both, you know, so whether you go with your best friend or we've had um, boyfriend and girlfriend or spouses, um, mother, daughter, you know, everyone comes, everyone's welcome and they have an experience together and it's, it's meaningful mm-hmm. to them, you know, coming together because they're getting, um, sparked together. Right. Yeah. So that's been one area we're, you know, excited about that mm-hmm. we've been really busy yep. and, um, as far as particular designs. Well, we did just come out with a new bangle yes um for the eternity bracelets where it's an actual um like wire bangle Mm -hmm. and it's sparked onto your wrist Mm -hmm. um and normally we've just been doing chain around Mm -hmm. the wrist as a bracelet Mm -hmm. um and so that is one of our newer designs yeah and i'm not sure of anyone else offering something no yeah so that's very unique in the permanent jewelry world is um, having an actual like bangle cuff versus just a chain bracelet. And for yeah. the people that are wondering about this, it, no, it does not hurt. Um, <laughs> there's, there's nothing... It just goes around your wrist. Yeah. Um, usually we do bracelets. Yes. So we have heard of um, doing other jewelry. Yeah, like anklets. Anklets. And that kind um, of thing. But most of the permanent jewelry or eternity bracelets um yeah bracelets yeah and it's not attached to your skin in any way (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't hurt it's kind of like a people know what a tig welder is it's essentially a miniature tig welder uh that welds does a micro weld on the link of the chain so you just wrap the the chain or you know bangle whatever it is around your wrist and then that gets zapped yes um so yeah that's very exciting we've seen a lot of interest in that very popular yeah that's blowing my mind right now to be honest you guys (laughs) I'm like what (laughs) this is so interesting and actually it's it's very fascinating to me that so many people would be like open to that because of the commitment but I guess it's just a testament to people's intimate connection with jewelry and how meaningful that that is for them you know because um it's kind of like a tattoo that you can take off though you know right? like 
it's semi-permanent jewelry we should say because really if you need it off you can just take scissors to it yeah okay okay yeah but man how interesting and how cool like when you guys first realized that this was a thing what did you think about it like how did you did you see it on TikTok or did people start coming in or so having been from New York um in New York City Catbird is I would say our closest type of store in that area would be Catbird I our business is similar in a way so being in New York I had always followed them and um I was seeing pretty early on that this zapping or sparking and everyone kind of has their own terminology for it yeah um was happening just in New York and LA and I had been kind of watching it for a while to see like is this something that we should offer like are people going to um really catch on with this in the Midwest and when you pay attention to like fashion trends in general, if you see something happening in New York and LA, it generally takes about a year or two before it catches on in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we had just kind of jumped on it right before it hit big in the Midwest, like with the timing and everything, um, we did a really good job jumping on that before it really blew up on TikTok and went viral. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I think we underestimated what kind of business that would bring us. And we are still trying to play catch up with being able to meet the need of what, how big this has been as a trend. Um, so yeah, it was, let's see, have we been doing it here? I don't think mm-hmm. we've been doing it here. Have yeah, we? Oh, we have, okay. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, just yes. over a year. Yeah. Wow, cool that you guys, figure out a pattern with trends and it reminds me I mean jewelry is so timeless so I'm not in the jewelry industry so I don't think about the trends within the jewelry industry because I'm like oh gold gold hoop earrings I my friend got me these from your guys' spot yeah. gold hoop earrings they're they're around forever but there it's so much more complex than that there are other trends there are I'm sure people are interested in certain type like you said the salt and pepper diamonds which are so cool the first time I heard about salt and pepper diamonds my friend was looking for her engagement ring and and I was like what they have this that's so cool and anyway so you guys are you guys are tracking the trends. Do you enjoy doing that? Is it something that comes natural to you or is it just part of what you do to, to support your customers with what they want? Pretty organic. I yeah. feel like you have to, um, in any industry, you've, you've got to kind of keep tabs on what people are doing, yeah. what, what your customers are wanting, what your customers want. I mean, that's ultimately how you stay in business is you provide what your customers want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we are, yeah, very used to listening to yeah. what people are wanting, what they're and some for. of them are wild. Like when you think about like what's popular in fashion and you look at that and you're like, no way are like <laughs> yeah. huge car pants going to come back and like, oh my gosh, <laughs> why? It happened. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like that with jewelry. Like I feel like the eighties are kind of back in jewelry, like the, the herringbone necklaces and the, yeah bigger like chunky gold hoops are back um one thing I've been watching and I just 
I can't picture this happening in the Midwest, but I've been wrong before. And I'm <laughs> seeing it all over in New York and LA. Men are wearing pearl necklaces. Yes. Yeah. Oh and it's, my God. It's in here. Yeah. I've been seeing it here. Yeah. So, I've seen it as well. Yeah. yeah. So just paying attention to stuff like that is mm-hmm. you just kind of have to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that in a way, it sounds kind of fun, especially with these, with these trends that you would never expect. Like, no, even with, I kind of, uh, the repetition kind of got lost on me. So even with the gold chains, I'm like, guys that would never be interested in fashion typically are wearing gold chains. I'm like, what? Like, I don't compute because like, that wasn't a thing when I was growing up It's more, or I don't, yeah, I guess it's more of an eighties thing or seventies thing or something. Yeah. 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 But it's entertaining. It's very entertaining. (laughs) And, and I like it now. I'm like, yeah, that looks good on you. I, I just think it's interesting and kind of fun to see these trends that you would never expect come about men in pearl necklaces. What? That's so interesting. So it's kind of cool that you guys are and same with this, with this forever jewelry. It's, it's cool that you guys can kind of see the trend. I mean, from like a sociological perspective or like just a, like from a so zoomed out social perspective, that's gotta be interesting too, because not everyone's tuned into this. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another big trend, and this is a new trend, but it's advancing is the ethics um, right. behind any business, but particularly in fashion and jewelry. Yeah. Um, so right. the demand for lab grown diamonds has mm-hmm. been huge. Um, I would say we probably do 95% uh, lab grown diamonds by customer request. And also like, yep. we want to be very Uh, ethically minded when we are purchasing and um, what we're supplying to our customers Uh, and then also using recycled metals and that kind of thing Um, all of that has definitely been a trend in a way Mm -hmm. that has been picking up over the last you know five years or so yep makes sense makes sense and great great point to bring up because I think that's something that that's important that I ask you and interestingly enough again the feeling that I get going in your guys's store I don't really question you give a lot of integrity to the space so when I come in I'm not like "Mm, this is shady also I used to this is kind of a, a story tangent that I won't get into but I used to get my health coaching education in the jewelry district in New York on like 40. 42nd street or yeah uh-huh. in the 40s over there in manhattan and that's like this this crazy for anyone who's not familiar this crazy jewelry street where there's jewelry here jewelry there there's a lot of different uh religious groups that are a part of it's just very interesting culturally how how everyone kind of works in together in the in the jewelry sector and those stores I've never been in those I've just been like no just intuitively I'm like where are they getting this stuff it just and I I'm judging but it just it kind of seems shady it looks shady the guys are kind of creepy they're always well yeah it's just an interesting (laughs) culture right like I could I could like stereotype it right now for you but it's fascinating anyway going into Diamond Regal I never felt that way I just felt a lot of integrity in the space so If the diamonds are not lab grown, is it just kind of a part of it that they're, they're, they're not coming from a great place or can you still source them from a good 
trustworthy, clean source? That's oh, a good question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pretty much any new material that is making its way into the United States today. Um, and right around the time of the movie that came out, Blood Diamond, that movie actually yeah. revolutionized the industry and changed a lot of the, the world as far as um, free trade and that kind of thing goes. And right. so the Kimberly process is what kind of governs mine diamonds coming into the United States and um, other parts of the world making sure that any new material is ethically mined and fair trade and um, not what you would generically consider a blood diamond. However, uh, because there is so much mining done and there's not a good way to serial tag every single raw diamond coming out of the earth, um, mistakes happen. You know, Whereas in a lab grown diamond, you can 100% guarantee that that is an ethically sourced stone, you know, um, mine diamonds most likely. There's also, you know, recycled diamonds. So mine diamonds that have been on the market that have had a previous life and reusing those. Um, but where did those originally come from? You, mm -hmm. you don't know. However, you are recycling them. So ethically speaking, uh, it's, it's much better than previous alternatives you know right so there are just after the movie blood diamond there are just rules and regulations that are more strict so really it's actually it's so really you guys couldn't sell legally could you not sell blood diamonds uh if it was a diamond that existed on the market previously like it was in someone's ring 30 years ago and mm -hmm we were repurposing that stone then technically yes we don't know where it came from it didn't have like papers prior to that of where it was you know where it was sourced from and we do a lot of redesigns yes where people are bringing in their you know grandmother's heirloom ring mm -hmm. from the early 1900s um yeah right yeah. yeah so but we're not selling that diamond correct in that sense um but no, I, I don't think that it's possible at this point for us to potentially get our hands on selling a diamond that's new into that situation. If that's, that makes sense. Yes, it does. That's so important for people to know. I think people who don't, I don't know. I'm kind of new into the jewelry realm since, since I started going to your guys' store. So honestly, <laughs> like, and I'm just using myself as an example because I, I like that I've had a strictly client experience customer experience with you guys right we didn't know each other before um we're really just i'm sure maybe i've seen you guys around in the shops introduce myself real quick but really now we're first meeting so i think it's a good example for other people who are like julie's cool i kind of dabble i don't know much about it it's so important for us to know i didn't know that i thought that most diamonds were blood diamonds i just thought it was one of these things that you know i you talk you think about it too with crystals i don't think those are very regulated or maybe they are now and i don't know about it but I, you just kind of get these narratives in your head kind of like with clothes right where you're like this is probably coming from a place that's not great um and again i didn't get that feeling in your guys's store and i've done many late night future engagement ring shopping on your <laughs> social media page their instagram is awesome by the way you guys got to follow their instagram it'll be linked in the show notes uh they have all these really cool reels and i keep saving 
your reels for oh future engagement ring. Don't even have a partner right now, but we got to plan ahead. <laughs> well, anyway, I've been shopping like late night at, on your guys's page, and um, I've seen that you have the lab diamond, the, the the lab diamonds, and I knew that you guys were being careful about that. I could just feel it in the shop. But yeah, amazing for people to know that. Um, so let's see. Oh, there was another topic that I wanted to get to with you guys. Um, but I think again, it'll, it'll come back to me. Um, do you get people coming into the shop asking a lot about this or is this general knowledge? Like, no, you mentioned that they are like people, people are generally really, really being careful about this because you guys have such a large percentage of the lab diamonds, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, there are I, a lot of people yeah. who tend to do, especially if they're getting like an engagement ring, they will do some research mm -hmm. on the internet mm -hmm. before they come in. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they kind of have an idea of what they're looking for. If they're asking about, you know, lab grown diamonds, or a lot of times they will be asking about moissanite mm -hmm. um, because they do want to go an ethical route. Um, and then it will be our job to talk to them and figure out what really is the best, you know, stone for them or, what they really are asking for, but the internet told them this or, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, people are asking questions um, because they are, you're right. They are trying to be careful. Yes. Yeah. I would say the majority of our clientele is very conscious about that for sure. Um, and, you know, budget plays a factor as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. And lab diamonds are cheaper. Yes. Significantly cheaper than mine diamonds. Oh, okay. Moist night is going to be more budget conscious than lab grown diamonds would be. Is so moist night. Yeah, go ahead. Um, moist night is a diamond synthetic. So it is a white stone that is grown to look like a diamond, but it is chemically um, a different uh, compound or element than diamond would be. Um, lab grown diamonds are chemically identical to mine diamonds, uh, mm -hmm. the only difference being that they are made in a lab versus in the earth. Okay, okay, perfect. And have you noticed people being drawn more to engagement rings that don't have a diamond? Because that's what I'm looking at. I've seen some of the stones you got really, I don't know the names, but really interesting blues and yellows and, and purples and light pinks, just gorgeous in the form of engagement rings. Have you, I mean, you sell them, so I know that, that people are interested, but have you noticed that <laughs> coming up as a trend? I would say that that is definitely a trend that has been pretty heavy for a little while now. And it's kind of unfortunate because I'm seeing a little bit of a downturn in that trend. Um, it's hard because when you think about yourself today and then you think about yourself in 40 years, having a specific color is a hard commitment, you know, um, to make. So are you going to like that same color in 40 years? So I think people are being more conscious of the fact that a neutral, such as a white or clear stone, um, is more timeless as far as taste preferences go. Um, so I think people are thinking about that, uh, is possibly one way that it's kind of shifting out of that, but we still do a lot of colored stones for mm -hmm. engagement rings and yeah. 
those are always so much fun. Um, and some of the stones that I like to source um, are ones that you don't see anywhere else. You know, they're unusual colors, they're unusual cuts um, that make it so whatever I'm making with it for that person is not just an original design or a unique design, but the stone itself is not replicatable. You know, you're not gonna see uh, 14 of your friends having the same thing, you know? Yep. So true, so true. I can attest to that as well. And I will say, even the designs that you have that are regular diamonds, you guys are just finding fascinating solutions to unique cuts of the diamond, unique shapes of the gold with the diamond on the ring. And something that is on my list that I am curating is like a triple decker uh, <laughs> engagement ring with like stat you have like almost like uh, I want to say like piano key stacks but you guys just gotta you gotta look at their ropes their website and their their insta but like like baguette I think you call them baguette because they're like a yeah. rectangle shape those yeah. stacked up next to each other and then another another ring and then another engagement ring on top of that and it, it's just so gorgeous you guys are finding a lot of creative solutions to all that which is so cool it's so fun and Man, now me just saying that, I'm wondering, do you guys feel like you are in your sweet spot in this business? Or do you feel like you want to expand to some other areas? Like, where do you guys, what are you feeling as creatives and business owners, but really as creatives in this space right now? Great as question. a creative, I don't want to answer that question. <laughs> um because it's one of those things like I don't ever really want to be limited mm -hmm. or self-limiting. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, while I feel currently like we're really just within our safe spot or like our comfort zone and our sweet spot, mm -hmm. I guess, um, there, that could change. Like we said before, we love obstacles or things that could potentially propel us into mm -hmm. more success or just other areas we yeah we don't like to be self yeah. we don't like to limit ourselves um so always open to different avenues or mm -hmm. things um but I'd say we're probably pretty satisfied yeah I'm always right looking for ways to evolve and things yes. to be doing and yes. that kind of thing I tend to be more of the the creative and the, the idea person. And I have a lot of ideas. Oh, oh yeah, she does. <laughs> and I'm really, really terrible with follow through. <laughs> so um, Courtney and I have like a really good balance uh, when it comes to the two of us and our partnership. Um, and I couldn't have done this business without her. And I hope that she would say the reverse. hundred percent. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, we need each other and we, mm -hmm. we kind of complement each other in a really, really nice way. In that mm -hmm. sense, Courtney is um, way more organized and um, she's very good at follow through and very responsible. Operations, yes. systems. Samantha comes up with the ideas and yes. then we figure out how to make it happen. Mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I fly by the seat of my pants. Yes, you do. Courtney tries to keep me under control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
So I, yeah, I, I can't say that we're in a spot where this is where we're staying because who knows? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And, and I think like answered like a true creative, right? Like that's not the point, <laughs> the, the point to arrive is not part of why you be creative the point is to ever evolve and yeah that's cool right. I wanted to get a feel for where you where you guys felt like you're at right now and I think it's so cool that you have teamed up together it's very clear to me I mean just after hearing what you guys had to say about it that you have the organization and the structure uh needed arguably needed to create a a business that is you know consistent and all that and you have the creative ideas as well and you, you kind of bring that together and you both you both have your in my eyes your own business sense and you both had businesses before right you you have your own business experience and your business sense you both have your creative sense you both had that before you came together but you have different personality types and you guys bring that together and that's what really clicks so did you guys know that when you came together? Did you feel that out and you thought, okay, this is going to make a good match? Maybe, but I don't think to the extent of what it really was. Yeah. If that makes sense, like uh, possibly just because we didn't meet before we actually partnered and we talked about how we wanted the business to work and such, but it really... I don't think we knew how good of a fit we were until much later on. I, I think agree. it was 50% like we were being smart about it and 50% we got really fucking lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's been a big thing for us is we really lucked out because I, I do have to say having had a partnership now for over five years, every time I tell another business owner that I have a 50, 50 partnership, they go, <laughs> Like, you know, they look at you like, oh God, how's it going? Yeah. (laughs) And we've heard so many more stories. And I think that we are more of the exception than the rule as far as 50-50 partnerships go. Mm -hmm. Um, We work really, really well together. Um, Our dynamic is great. We just really kind of lucked out. But Mm -hmm. we also, you know, took a little bit ahead of, a little bit of time ahead of time to kind of feel each other out and see if it was going to be a good fit so it wasn't entirely an accident but I think it was 50 50 in that sense I agree cool yeah it sounds a lot to me in my spiritual brain like it was meant to happen but you guys were very conscious during that time and yeah kind of stars aligned (laughs) situation yeah so it was was meant to happen yeah I, I can feel that too so do you guys feel like you mesh naturally or do you come up with uh do you come up against challenges because you guys are so different like do you have any techniques that you use to kind of mesh your personalities together or does it happen quite naturally I maybe a little bit of both because there are times where you know if we are up against an obstacle um if I see Samantha spiraling, (laughs) but I also just want to spiral too. Like I know that I have to be, you know, a partner to be like, okay, systems organized. We're going to do this first. This is what's going to happen. And then we support each other and the other way around too. Like if I'm having a bad day or if I 
drop the ball on something, um, then I have some inspiration and support from Samantha. So that is organic. We kind of just listen to each other and figure out what we both need. Um, just like a marriage. I was just going to say, it's a marriage, very yeah. much so. Um, a marriage with some uh, less of the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. All business. Yes. But it, it's like, yeah, we, um, we do... I guess we know how to yeah. mesh well together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes a little while to get to know the other person and know what they need and, and their love languages in a business sense. Right. You know, um, it took a little while to adapt to that. I'm definitely a stronger personality than Courtney is. And so figuring each other out in that sense, once we did that and mm-hmm. we could understand how each other thinks and operates a little bit um we were able to you know work together much better and we we've had of course like any married couple you know like you have your not everything is good yeah Yeah. you know have situations where you have to work through it absolutely Um, yeah yeah totally I love it and it's cool to look at it like that because I can imagine that some people go into it like this is all business. Emotional intelligence doesn't matter. Let's get to the practical stuff. And I think that's probably, I would just wager a guess that that could be a reason why a lot of people fall apart. I mean, what I teach is basically mindset is everything. If you're not doing some sort of trauma healing, but you're repeating patterns in your life where like, let's say business relationships are exploding and maybe also your romantic relationships are exploding. There are patterns there to explore and to like rearrange and some healing to do there. So I think it's really cool I'm looking at you, just, you both describe your relationship together and it's very emotionally intelligent. It's very thoughtful. It's flowy. It's not just practical. You're thinking about the other person, what the other person needs to feel secure. It's more than just practical yeah. stuff. It's more than just business. That's awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And one thing I have seen a lot of partnerships fail from is they had they started a business from a friendship. So Mm -hmm. they were two friends that came together and they cared about each other in a friendship dynamic first. And then we're like, let's do this business together. Um, And I think that kind of just goes in the line of, you know, don't do business with friends and family type of situation because emotions get involved in that sense, you know, and it, it can be catastrophic. I'm not saying it never works, but I think that Courtney and I had more leverage in this and from the beginning because we didn't come into this as friends first Mm -hmm. we're very friendly now and we have a strong friendship but it started as business first Mm -hmm. uh and i think that aided in the success of our relationship absolutely that's a great point to make that it's on the other end of the spectrum if it's all emotions that can be super dramatic and that can also not work either. So yeah, having that balance and yeah, you need the practical too. It's what you guys are. I mean, it is business at the end of the day. Yeah. That's a great point to make. Great point to make. So for those folks who are worldwide, we have a lot of worldwide listeners and people in Europe. Do you guys ship out products? We do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I know we do shift to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, we 
ship things um, through our, our point of sale system. Yeah. Um, and so like through our website, through our website and such. Um, that's actually a really good question. I don't know to our, like what our, our reach is right. for shipping through that. Um, always open to figuring it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. What would be the best way if people, cause here's what I'm already envisioning. People are going to want custom work from you guys. Um, and maybe would want you to ship them something. Yeah. What would be the best way for them to contact you? I would say to start in the easiest way is to reach out on Instagram. Yeah. Um, DMing us, we check all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably the best way to get the conversation going. Mm-hmm the easiest way for people to find us. Yeah. You can also see like all of our contact information mm-hmm. is on our website. Yeah. Um, we have our email up there. You could also shoot us an email or text message or text the phone number that's on the website as well. Um, so internationally, I don't know if the text would. Right. But work, DMing, but email, DMing emailing. Yep. Very um, open that way. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are super accessible. And yeah, really active on Instagram. So amazing to know that people can reach out to you that way. It's such a good, I mean, that's where I'm most active. So likely the people that listen to this are active on there too. Amazing. And uh, let's see, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about how people can contact you. Well, oh, do you guys still have your point system? Like if you spend a certain amount, I love that. That was, man, when I was, I have a bunch of rings from you guys. And when I was getting all of those, I was like loving it. What, what can you, can you tell us what the deal is? Yeah. yeah so you get a point for every $20 spent. Uh, and then when you have 10 points, you get $10 off. So essentially a point is equivalent to a dollar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I this is that. only like you redeem it in $10 increments. Right. So it's just another way that, like we mentioned, you know, a while back in our conversation, we like to have a relationship with you. We like to grow with you and um, be your one-stop jewelry shop. And so that's just a way to, you know, keep that connection um, and reward you for your loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. I loved that so much. That was like awesome to me that a jewelry shop would do that. And yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm really really happy for you guys and and proud of you guys and excited for you and there's just something that really hits like I kind of I I feel like I'm getting emotional talking to you guys because it's just really cool to see you have this journey and be successful with what you're doing and I feel like it speaks to the artists out there it speaks to the aspiring entrepreneurs the current entrepreneurs and uh you guys are just setting a really really great example and so thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here and for sharing your story with everyone. Well, thanks yeah. for listening to our story yeah, and sharing our story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you guys too, if there's, is there anything else you wanted to cover? We have like a couple more minutes. I, was there anything else you wanted to talk about that, that I didn't ask you guys about? Good question again. Um. <laughs> I guess what I'm curious about being, you know, kind of your niche and how that could better apply to our business or business in general and how you kind of 
you know, connect those two, I would be interested in, in hearing about from you specifically. Oh, that's interesting. Do you mean like how I'm connecting health and business or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like other than being a very loyal customer of ours, um, you know, bringing us on the podcast and how can we better um, connect with what you do and what your followers are interested in as far as like health and wellness and how that ties into our business or business in general. I know you talked about mindset a lot. Yeah. And um, if you have a lot of entrepreneurs listening, and that's obviously a very important thing um, to think about and consider. Um, are there other like points, I guess? Yes. Okay, this is an awesome question and actually something that I wanted to mention earlier. So a while ago, probably about a year ago, I wrote a post and I tagged you guys because your jewelry meant so much to me in a mindset sense, in how I was approaching my life. And to me, mindset and mental health and self-worth, I mean, we're, we're learning this in the health world and just in general, right? How much that does impact our physical health, our, our mental health, everything, our lives. I bought your rings. And I love my hand tattoos and I, I place them in a specific order on my fingers. And every time I looked down at my hands, I felt so abundant. I felt so good. It was so important. Like I said, I'm just starting this business. We're having ups, we're having downs, we're figuring it out. We're definitely hustling. Things are not consistent yet. And it meant so much to me to look down and see that I have some gold on my hands like that has meant so much to me even like my my earrings and in my process of moving forward it has meant a lot to feel abundant even when other parts of my life do not feel abundant so that kind of goes back to yes you can buy real gold from you guys but also um, you can buy really good quality affordable pieces so I would say how what you are selling works into the mindset piece and works into the health pieces. How are you feeling about yourself? It's like, to me, it's like the deepest, most profound way to look at clothes or anything cosmetic or, or pieces like jewelry. Yes, there are sentimental pieces, but for someone like me, I'm not super close with my family. We don't do a lot of that stuff together. They're not really into jewelry. Yeah. So I created something on my own that made me feel really good. And this man, this pinky ring makes me feel really powerful, <laughs> which is funny. I just, I think it's pinky rings are funny, but they, there, there's something very powerful about that. So in my mind, meshing, meshing business and health and jewelry means like, how, how are you going to look at yourself and how can you remind yourself about how powerful you are? that has been really profound for me. And that's not something that I'm creating to answer this question. Well, this is just true. I could go back in my history on Instagram and pull up the posts where I was looking at my hands and I'm like, damn, I'm really glad that I can look down and see something pretty on my hands. Like it's, it's deep. So working, working into uh, what Courtney asked too about how you know my audience and people in the health world can connect to you guys and what they may want. The vibe that I'm feeling from a lot of your reels recently is you know a lot of times you have a lot of different rings stacked up and it's very abundant 
looking and it's fun and it's different and it's kind of like a treat yourself vibe but again I think it goes so much deeper than that people are looking to in in my eyes people are looking to like how can I step into this next version of myself and sometimes it's fake it till you make it and sometimes it's realizing where you're actually at you know like and just like letting it sink in where you're actually at and I've been in both places where it's like I am not there yet but I want to take a little step to feel like I'm there yet and then sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like I'm I'm there and I need to remind myself that I'm there uh mm-hmm. if that makes sense and how where I'm going with this I'm feeling that a lot from your store and that's what is really important to me when it comes to jewelry right now in my life and I think a lot of my audience would agree with that you know yeah yeah that was all yeah. very interesting yeah I, I enjoyed hearing hearing yeah. that yes Absolutely. Um, yeah oh, and cool. I think you hit it like spot on where Absolutely. it is you know sometimes you have to fake it till you make it or it's like when you put on a really nice outfit that you love and you're reminding yourself that you you know you value yourself and you value your worth and um yeah yeah it's very much a personal relationship with yourself and and self-worth plays a big factor in it yeah um and also kind of what you said with the fake it till you make it and like um once you have it and taking a step back and realizing it, I think it just kind of set in recently with Courtney and I of like people actually know who we are a little bit now, which is kind of wild to think about where I will meet people that don't know who I am and I'll tell them, you know, that I'm with Diamond Regal and they'll be like, oh, I know that. And it's like, really? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And that, that has been really great to Mm -hmm. witness but then when you get there and let's say you are kind of in this spot where it's like oh my god maybe I did make it then it shifts to like oh how do I not screw it up yeah (laughs) 100% um how do I not lose this yeah um and and keep going so yeah and especially not coming from and I know you have a lot of experience in jewelry um but we like you also said we don't have formal business um training so I know personally I've dealt with um, imposter syndrome and like, okay, no, reminding myself, this is where we are, right? You know, um, look at all the things that you did accomplish and having that mindset of, okay, this is where I am reminding myself. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I have, I have tattoos and I, I have own like my own jewelry that I've made for myself or I wear that are kind of like milestones that remind me of certain points in my life and Mm -hmm. whether that's personal or business related. Um, And so I think jewelry kind of like tattoos can be very like symbolic of things as well. Um, Absolutely. And that's what I love about it. You know, when I make a piece of jewelry, it's really rewarding um, to think that that piece would potentially be so meaningful to someone and also potentially pass down like an heirloom piece, you know, it's really cool to be that part of so many people's worlds, you know? Exactly. It's so profound. It's so like, I'm, I'm, I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm thinking about it too. I know I'm going to look back on these pieces and say, wow, that really, it, it helped in so many ways. Like I could go on and on about that, but yeah, also milestones. And when we, when we, create something amazing for ourselves to be able to celebrate like that and then obviously celebrate relationships but celebrate ourselves too it's 
it's really like I also teach manifestation too, just getting what you want in life intentional, intentionally manifesting what you want into your life. Mm-hmm. And a big practice that I saw the evidence of in my own life, literally sitting with cash. There, there are plenty of manifestation teachers that teach you to just sit with cash in front of you. And that might seem really out there for a lot of people. And I think that's a big testament to like where our mindset is with money. And if we're kind of afraid of money or if we feel like we're too much, if we have money, cash sitting out in front of us, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and I noticed that, man, some magical things have happened in my life when I've done that before. And I also think sitting with gold, sitting with these beautiful jewelry pieces, same thing, because what does it represent? And how do we feel about that? What, how can we get comfortable having these things? I think if we're able to wrap our minds around that and feel worthy of these things, like, let's say you want to buy yourself something nice to celebrate, you buy yourself a gold something. And by the way, you guys carrot gold, it's still like, because we have technology right now and we're in the first world, I'll say not everyone who listens to this podcast is in the first world, but if you have access to technology and a smartphone, carrot gold may still be very affordable for you. So to, to let's say you want to celebrate, you buy yourself a piece. Instead of sitting with the cash, you sit with this beautiful gold ring or these gold earrings that you have. It's, it's huge in, in realizing where you are and being grateful for what you have and in feeling powerful and feeling fancy. And, you know, if we're going to get into like acting as if and, and uh, faking it until you make it, you, you, you hold that vibration of something really special. And to me, that's, it's super spiritual it's super mindset oriented and it just goes really deep it's this goes really deep and it can be transformative you know yes yeah yep and it goes far beyond just materialistic possession too Mm -hmm. you know like jewelry is one of the few things that you have that will live beyond you and likely live on beyond your children and you know it it doesn't um just go away you know, and we'll always have that story. You'll always be attached to it, that type of thing, you know? So true. It's so true, man. This is, I would wager a guess that this is the most profound podcast episode on jewelry out there in the world right now. (laughs) It's so deep. I love it. I love, I love where we went here and man, thank you two so much for being here. Owners of Diamond Regal, Courtney Jones and Samantha McIntosh, Thank you both. You guys check out Diamond Regal, contact them on Instagram, definitely follow them on Instagram, even just for inspo or whatever. They have some great pieces. Thank you guys. It was an honor to have you on here. This was wonderful. Yeah, it was. Thank you so much. And we'll have to get you in for the eternity bracelets that you haven't heard about before. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I would love to. I should, I should document all of that too. That would be pretty crazy. I don't know if my audience knows about it either. Cause we're kind of like, there's a lot of people in the farming homesteading community. We're not really up on trends. So that would be awesome. Yeah. Well, bring it in and you can document it and and we'll take care of you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys. Okay, you guys, I need your help here. I want to get word spread about the info that we share in this show as much as possible. I want it to reach around the world. It already has. I want it to continue to reach around the world. And I want us to be able to share this information because this is empowering shit. You guys know that I only share empowering shit on here. I only share stuff that is going to make you feel like your dreams can 
become a reality and you can create what you want in your life and you can achieve what you want in your life and big changes can happen. Big evolution can happen in a positive direction in your life. I've done that in my life. It is my goal. It is my life purpose to help as many other people achieve that as well. So if you can help me do this, I would be so grateful. Please share this episode, share my podcast, other people about my podcast, share it on Instagram. I would just so appreciate that. Subscribe, uh, whatever we can do to get the word out more about this information. I love providing it for you guys. It makes me so happy and it would just mean the world to me if you continue to share it. I love you guys so much. Info on how to work with me is in the show notes. I have a group coaching course. I have one-to-one private coaching. I have a workshop. There will be more offerings in the future. I'm There's a lot going on. So all of this info is in the show notes and enjoy. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Talk to you soon. I love you.